Hi everyone, I'm Caleb with Team Rock and Cushions. In this bonus episode, I sit down with Michelle Vannerwater to talk about the fundamentals of building an e-commerce business. In the first 10 minutes or so, Michelle introduces herself, gives us her background as someone who's been in the e-commerce world for nine years, and gives some tips to people who've just started an online business or are considering starting one. And then later on, I ask her about the importance of A-B testing, marketing, whether to go brick or mortar or go digital, knowing your target customer, and differentiating yourself from your competitors. There's a bunch of valuable content in here, so you're definitely going to want to stick around for the end. And with all of that said, hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm Michelle from Rock and Talk, and today we're going to be talking about how to start an online store, which is a pretty basic concept. Um, but, you know, we're going to go over a few things that uh, maybe you haven't thought of. Maybe you've always wanted to have an online store but didn't know where to start. Maybe you just have a great product idea but don't know how to develop it. Um, maybe you don't even know if you're, anybody wants your product. So this would be a great chance. Um, hopefully I can give some sound advice and you can um, leave this interview feeling a little bit more confident in your choices when starting an online um, e-commerce store. So a little bit about, about me. I started my store on Etsy um, in 2011 and I was on the platform for about eight years and it grew pretty successfully. And um, I really liked Etsy at the time because it was really a platform for makers and artists to really test their products um, to see if, if there was an audience for what they were making and to really grow um, their product development and their store without necessarily having to do the technical e-commerce part of running a shop, such as SEO, a lot of SEO, or getting traffic to your store, or um, any of the things that you really need to do in order to create a presence online. Um, so Etsy is really great for that. If you have a product um, that you make, or even if you, I don't know what the rules are these days about reselling, but a lot, a lot of people sort of uh, buy products and then mod, uh, modify them to sell on Etsy. That's, uh, I think that's within their policies. Um, but Etsy is a great place for you to sort of throw your product out there and to see if people respond to it, to get a lot of valuable feedback on how you can make improvements, um, to test your pricing structure, to uh, test your SEO, your tagging, your descriptions, um, and really just get a feel to see if there is an actual market for your product. Because lots of times we just assume that, okay, everybody wants what I'm making, what I'm selling, and I'm just gonna put it online and people are gonna find it and buy it and that's gonna be the end of it. And it could not be further from the truth. I mean, you might have a great product, but you know, do people want it? And what, um, need does it fill? What problem does it solve? Um, what is your competition like? Um, how are you going to differentiate yourself so that you can make those sales um, and get ahead of your competition? So, you know, I really recommend starting an Etsy shop for those reasons. And I would say after you've sort of um, gained some traction on uh, your target market, your audience, your pricing, um, you know, if you're getting good traffic, uh, then then it's time to consider maybe streamlining your process and maybe transitioning into your own domain or your own website, such as an e such as Shopify 
or a different e-commerce platform that isn't a marketplace. And why I say this is that a marketplace like Etsy or Amazon really has limitations. Um, like I said, it is very good for testing your um, product for proof of concept, sort of like working out all the kinks in your production line and supply chain. But after you've got it all down, at the end of the day, you really want to be able to own your customers. You want to be able to um, nurture those relationships that you've made with them. And you want to have control of your reviews and um, maybe do a lot of email marketing, um, maybe also target wholesale customers. Um, you want to do things like use the data that you've cut your uh, customer data that you've collected for text messaging um, and lots of other things that a marketplace such as Etsy or Amazon doesn't allow you to do. So that's why it's really important to transition into a proper e-commerce um, platform such as Shopify because you have so much more um, uh, flexibility and so much more opportunity to really engage with your customers over a long period of time. So just real quick, I'll just go over some of the um, pros and cons of having an Etsy shop right now. So, um, you know, the pros are basically, as I described, you get to test your market. You don't have to worry about getting traffic to your shop. Um, you can really focus on making a product and just shipping it and getting those sales in and really playing around with um, the things that, that your audience or your target market really wants and expect. Um, so that's all great on Etsy. But you know, one of the things to know about Etsy is that it's kind of like having a, um, a table in a, in a, in a, what am I trying to, a flea market, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. So if you can imagine Etsy being a flea market and you've rented a table, and basically, they've done a lot of promotion to get people to come to the flea market so they can buy from you, where they make their commission. But every customer that comes to the flea market is owned by Etsy. Etsy gets their email address, it, they get their um, the consumer data, they get everything that they need to retain those customers for the Etsy platform. But you don't necessarily have access to that unless you do a lot of manual work. And by this, I mean is that every time someone makes a sale, every time you make a sale, um, you have to manually download the customer's email address in order to create your own newsletter and nurture that relationship. So there's lots of little things like that um, that kind of inhibit growth and scale on Etsy, um, which is why you want to transition to a regular e-commerce platform. So. Um, one, uh, some of the cons about being on Etsy, um, you can't control the reviews. So basically people, you know, and right now we're, we're dealing with a pandemic, so shipping is always delayed. Well, most of the time it's being delayed and there's huge, um, problems with supply chains. And unfortunately people, when they buy something from your store on Etsy, they can leave a review, um, whether they receive that order or not. Um, they can leave, re leave a review based on customer service alone. Um, they can open a case against your store, whether they've, um, you know, had any uh, interaction with your product or not. So, you know, that's that's one thing that, that you can control if you have a, your own e-commerce site, such as on Shopify. You can have an app. I use an app called Judge Me. And you can basically 
uh, every time someone leaves a review, you can edit that review or you can choose whether to have it displayed in your shop or not. And that's not possible on Etsy. Um, you can also publish your good reviews to social media sites like Pinterest and other social media channels, which you can't do on Etsy. Um, you can also use um, third-party apps in, in Shopify, such as Klaviyo, which is an email app which automatically captures everybody's email and phone number and address that you can um, uh, that you can use to nurture that relationship, to send them emails, to let them know of promotions and specials, and all that kind of thing, which you can't do on Etsy. Um, basically, on Etsy, when somebody buys a product from your store, um, you get their email address and their um, address, the physical address, obviously delivery address, but you have to manually download that information to create your own list. And you also miss out on some other important data, such as their phone number. Um, text messaging right now is really popular to contact people about their orders. Um, that's like a huge service. It's really blowing up. People love to get text messages. It's very personal. It makes them feel like you really care about them as a person for their order. They're not just, you know, you're not just a warehouse, like, you know, shipping stuff. Um, so text messaging is definitely an advantage if you have a Shopify site or a, a regular e-commerce site, which isn't possible on Etsy. Um, some other things, uh, you can't enable Google Shopping on Etsy. So for instance, if you're on Instagram and you sometimes you see products and they have like little highlighted dots that you can click on to shop for that product, um, you can't actually use that function for an Etsy store. Um, some other things is that in terms of funding, um, funding companies uh, don't really consider Etsy shops as collateral, and this is because Etsy is a private company, and you are basically, as I mentioned, my analogy was that you're basically renting a table at the Etsy flea market. You don't own that table, you don't own a space, you don't own a physical store on the platform. You're literally just um, renting some space and you're selling your products and they're taking commission. So, um, so definitely if you're looking to scale or grow in any way and um, you might need funding for, I don't know, if you need funding for payroll or you need funding for basically cash flow or, or materials or anything like that that you would go to a bank to get funding for. Um, it, it's really difficult to do that if your sole um, if your sole income comes from a marketplace such as Etsy or Amazon. You really need to have your own uh, virtual brick and mortar store, so to speak, um, that they consider that has a good sales uh, track record and um, that they can consider as collateral. Um, yeah, the other thing that I, I have discovered since leaving Etsy was that it, it, you really have an ability to scale infinitely if you're on a regular e-commerce um, platform. And this is because you can do things like add, there's so many apps that you, that you can plug in. Um, I recently added an app that gives people a free gift every time they make a purchase. Um, and that just pops up. Uh, which is a great incentive, and, and that's something that's not possible on Etsy as well. Um, I have a slide-out card on my website, which means that people, as they're shopping, they can see how much they need to spend in order to get free shipping, and, and it kind of works like a uh, like you're, you're putting items in a basket, and you can see 
the threshold of that basket, you know, let's spend another five or ten dollars and you'll get free shipping. Um, and that's a great incentive too for people to to kind of pass that threshold to get free items or free shipping. Um, yeah, there's just so many uh, things that you can implement. You can also, if you're starting to wholesale um, and you want to create a um, protected gateway for your wholesale customers so that they're getting discounts when they shop on your platform, when you shop on your, your e-commerce site, you can enable that so it's password protected for them. Um, there's lots of uh, little things, uh, but I think the most important thing, the most important difference is that, um, you know, once you've uh, established that you have a great product that people want to buy and you have your target market and you, you want to just, you know, grow and scale um, in a solid way, it's definitely time to transition and to, to do that on your, own, on your own website, on your own terms, and, and retain all your customer information, which is extremely important. Um, unfortunately, if Etsy decides to close your shop down or suspend your store, which happened to me a couple of times, you will lose all your data, you will lose all your um, customer information, all your inventory, and they will freeze your fund, your account um, with the funds in it. So your, um, yeah, the, the account that you have set up, every time you make a sale, that money goes into your Etsy account and um, that will be frozen if you're unlucky enough to have your shop suspended as well. So one quick tip I will say is make sure that you set your settings to um, withdraw your sale month, your sales every day to your bank account. Mm -hmm. So, in the unlikely event that you that your shop gets suspended, um, you at least have all your money has been uh, withdrawn. Okay, um, I talked a lot. Caleb, <laughs> do you have any questions? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of knowledge and um, value provided there. Thanks for um, everything you shared there, Michelle. So, playing off of that, one question would be. Um, for people who are setting up a store for the first time or considering um, putting out an e-commerce store, um, there are so many factors that contribute to success, like obviously product, um, but pricing and the images, SEO, um, any digital marketing. So from your, for your opinion, um, what are the key things that you want to focus on that you think differentiate the top sellers from people who put something out and um, don't get many clicks? Um, and that way, 
my I can create unlimited images even before I even make the product. So when people are shopping, you know, you can really fill out your store this way. You can really have a lot of inventory on your store and then maybe um, adjust the shipping time, the processing time to the time that it takes for you to produce the actual product. So this is a really great way to, if you don't have a lot of products to sell, like let's say you make candles, for instance, and you've got like five cents uh, of, you know, five different types of candles, um, maybe you can play around with the size of the candle. Like let's say, you know, you can make a mega giant candle um, in cinnamon, but instead of like actually making it and taking a photo of it, why not do like a digital image and put that on and, and just see if people respond to it. And that way, the more listings you have on there, um, the more you can uh, play with your SEO for each listing, which is really important. Basically, every listing needs to have keywords and long tail keywords in order to rank in Google. Um, so the more products you have on your site, the more uh, basically Google, the search engines have to work with so that your store will rank higher. Um, now, SEO is, is a tricky beast. I mean, I am not an expert in it at all, um, which is why I hire people. <laughs> so that's, um, that's one lesson. Out, outsource the things that uh, you know are your weakness. And so you know, there you can, have, exactly. you can run a successful I say, operation. You know, I would, if I was to give a tip to how to be a, a great business person, it's to know your strengths and know your weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a great piece of practical advice. Yeah, stick to what you're good at. And what you enjoy doing because, you know, there's nothing worse than being good at something that you don't like to do. And sticking on the um, the images for a second. So it seems like creating um, what is a digital rendering of your images gives you um, more flexibility because you it's easier to swap out things like colors or styles or sizing um, when you have that much detail. And then it also seems like it's a more... Um, cost-effective way of doing it where you don't have to manually take your product your in this case a big product a sofa to a location where someone um, shoots the the your item in the old-fashioned way um, so you kind of have two benefits there is that correct yeah absolutely I mean and I'm so thankful that we have this technology now um, yeah absolutely I mean I just I just saw this documentary I think about a year ago on how the big stores like Target Gap um, the big chain stores, they actually use this technology. They don't even hire models anymore. I mean, you see like their catalog online, it looks like they've hired a, a real life person and they're wearing all these outfits and it looks like a real photo. But what they do is it's all, it's all digital imagery. They literally will hire like a model for a day and she'll just pose maybe like for a few hours, different poses. And then they literally Photoshop the clothes on her. Mm -hmm. And they use that model like the entire year, but they've only paid it for one day. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They could keep, you know, it, it's very cost effective. Um, and, you know, they have the ability to, to easily, even before they even have all the product, change the colors, change the sizing, change the shape, change the whatever they need to, and sell that before they actually uh, make a product. Um, and I also read that uh, this is really works too. If you have if you have an idea of a product or a service and you're not sure if it's going if people are going to respond to it, um, the best thing to do is just to put it online, and actually maybe have a little poll saying, "Hey, would you wear this or would you buy this or whatever?" And then 
you know, go off people's opinions that way before you invest a ton of money into actually producing something. So digital imagery, I highly recommend. And it will really, um, it will really help you be competitive with a lot of the stores that might be selling similar things, but maybe don't have, um, but maybe you can't compete with on, on their scale. So obviously like a bigger store might have all the products in stock and have more variety than you can afford right now. But if you, at least if you have the images up there, it looks like you're competitive. Right, right, right. Yeah, there. that's, that's yeah. a great tip for everyone. Um, when you were creating rock and cushions in the beginning, um, there, did you ever consider, um, start having a store with a physical location? Um, and in your mind, uh, what was the trade off between having an e-commerce site or having a store with a physical location? Um, and how might that apply to people who are trying to make that decision for themselves? started as a hobby and it was a hobby for a few years so I did think about having a physical location um, but it seemed like the more I thought about it the more work it was going to be and I really like the idea of having a flexible business where I can work on my my store wherever I am without actually having to be there because mm. the problem with having a physical store is that you're providing an in-person customer service right. um, experience and um you know that if you're not the, if the store owner isn't there constantly to sort of um i guess sell the product the ins and outs of the product that means you have to hire somebody so do you know i was never really like, at least in the beginning i never really thought i had the funds to hire somebody um to work in the store in mm. addition to paying rent on rent the store, right which is expensive yeah extremely expensive and then outfitting the store with like everything I need. And then also I didn't really want to make all those products and then be sitting on dead inventory if it didn't sell. So I really, how I built my store on Etsy was that um, I started with rocking chair pads. That's why my business is called Rocking Cushions. And that was a total fluke, like a happy accident. And then people started asking for Ikea covers and I would just make to order. So I did make, um, Every time somebody asked for a specific fabric, um, I would make that item and then I would, you know, ship it to them. But before I did, I would take a photo of it and I would list it in my store. And, uh, you know, just so that people could see what I was able to make. And that's how I, I ended up building my store. Um, so this kind of, uh, the, I guess, um, if you can't afford, you know, this was... Um, as I'm saying, nine, eight or nine years ago, so CGI images weren't that popular. Um, but comparatively, like it was kind of the equivalent of basically creating an image, putting it online, even though you don't have it to sell. And then when people buy it, that's when I produced it and shipped it. So, you know, I think I had at one point like 2,000 items in my shop, mm -hmm. but I literally only had maybe 100 actual physical products that I could ship right now. Um, so, so all the other all the other products would be pre-ordered. Um, you know, they just lived on the website. They just lived in in my store, but until somebody bought them, I didn't make them. Oh, oh, understood, understood. Yeah. So, um, and sometimes people didn't buy them, so that was great. Like, you know, that made me realize that okay, people aren't buying this style, but they are buying this style. So let me get rid of the stuff that isn't selling. Or let me not list the stuff that isn't selling and let me focus on the stuff that is selling and expand on that. Um, 
so you know for me it was just really economical like I couldn't you know as much as I would love to have a real store I think the logistics of sort of like stocking it with products um the whole supply chain of it uh having to physically be there and service customers in person which I don't really like to do I mean it was like it was enough deterrent for me to just stick to it being online um and I'm, I'm really happy I, I did because I think now during the pandemic, at least everybody is tra- trying to transition online. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's a great point. It seems like now, or if you go back even one year ago, um, and the question between digital and physical location is, it, it's not super obvious. Like a lot of it depends on where you are, um, what kind of person you are, how you, uh, the areas that you excel, and like the actual product you sell. Um, but as we move forward and five years online, 10 years online, things will probably become increasingly um, digital and the pandemic forcing everyone to stay home probably has accelerated that um, beyond where it would have gone otherwise. Um, Absolutely. And I think, you know, how I see things panning out is that, you know, when you want to buy something, what's the first thing you do? Google it. Yeah, exactly. You go right. online and, and so look Google, for a product. So even though you're probably going to depend, even though you, there's a likelihood that you might buy it locally, the first thing you're going to do is Google it to see where it is and where it's available and how fast you can get it. So let's say you Google um, IKEA slipcover, for instance, and you see my shop or whatever. You know, you're still you're still going to toss up, okay, do I order this online or where can I go to pick it up today? And so I think the future is really going to be um, e-commerce stores that have physical hubs or basically physical places, uh, pickup spots. Mm-hmm. So let's say you wanted to buy my product. And I mean, Amazon's already doing this. Right, right. I've so seen that. Basically, they have showrooms and things like that. But basically, you can see, okay, where is my closest pickup location? I'm just going to drive there. I'll throw it in my car and I'll, I'll be home in 20 minutes. Um so I definitely, while, you know, people want the experience of sort of um, being in a store and being able to touch and feel everything, I think more, what's more likely is going to happen is we'll be stimulated by digital images and maybe like, maybe like virtual reality experience. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to, you know, go somewhere to pick up the physical product or have it delivered. And then you'll be doing all that stuff at home that you would that would normally be doing in a mall right now yeah and for your specific product um with slip covers for ikea furniture that seems to be somewhat of the middle ground where on one side you have something like the actual an actual chair or sofa where there are a lot of advantages to going there in person and seeing how you like the feel of it and how this chair fits your back that it, it's harder to tell by just looking at an image online and then you have other products like a pen or a cup where it, it, it doesn't really matter to um, try it out and you kind of know what you're getting and the convenience of being able to order online and have it arrive in two days is uh, the reason why probably 90 plus percent of people um, choose to order these things online and cushions and slip covers are like the complement to furniture but they're also in this middle ground where uh, you know it's it's an open decision right whether you want to go physical or um, digital in the end yeah, and I think I think I'm very fortunate that I did pick, um, at, at least for now, I did pick a brand that everybody's familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go to an IKEA and you can try all the furniture. 
and most likely you have IKEA furniture in your home. So, you know, that's not really the, the problem when buying a cosmetic cover for it. It's more like, okay, are you going to maybe like the design of it or the color or the style? Um, will that differ from what you see online to when you get it in person? Um, so that's the advantage I have. I mean, I, I am considering uh, creating my own line of furniture and that's a concern of mine. It's like, what is gonna, what's the return rate gonna be? You know, like if I design this couch and then we spend, you know, let's say you spend $2,000 on it and I spend, you know, uh, $1,000 making it and shipping it to you. You're going to sit on it for like five minutes and be like, I don't like it, send it back. Right, then, right. Like, you know, we, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, that's a huge risk. Yeah, um, and, and there's the advantage of dealing with cheaper products, right? Where and, and lighter products to ship and things like that, where furniture, shipping it, uh, you have a whole bunch of other complications with. Um, the whole process of, of a big, heavy item that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, you know, what's happening right now is that a lot of people are using furniture rental companies um, because they don't necessarily want to keep the furniture they're buying for a long period of time, or maybe they're in, they're in a situation that's temporary. Um, so, you know, lots of times... Um, yeah, people are sort of outsourcing that and, and I just wonder how the, the, the furniture rental companies are going to fare out. I think it's a great idea, um, but also, it, you know, you do run the risk of, okay, people sort of having, doing a lot of returns, you know, yeah, or wanting yeah. to customize something more. Um, speak a little bit about the importance of A-B testing new products and maybe before you decide to jump right in and mass produce 2,000 specific items, um, creating a minimum viable product and showing it to your friends and, and getting feedback to see if it, this is actually something people would use. How important is that? It is so important. I mean, your livelihood will depend on if your product can sell. So it's really important to spend time um, testing your product and by that I mean, you know, like I said, the most economical way is to make a digital image, um, maybe send it around to your friends and family, or even do some promotion for it, and just see, you know, use it as clickbait. See how many people are clicking on it, what are people commenting on it. If you can put it on a Facebook group or social media, do a poll, ask questions, send samples if you can. Say, hey, I'm thinking about making this product. Does anybody want a sample? Um, that is really important work to do. Um, because it will save you a ton of time and money. And I've learned this lesson a few times the hard way, where I thought, oh my gosh, I have this amazing new idea for this product, everyone's gonna love it, and then I've gone and made like a couple hundred, and like, you know, I'm still sitting on, you know, 200 (laughs) of this thing that nobody wants. Yeah. Um, So we have the, you know, I think most people, when they love an idea, you know, they're pretty, committed to it right off the bat that we convince ourselves that if I like right, it, right. I like it. You yeah. Know? And it's just not the case. I mean, you just don't know. So, I mean, a, a quick example, when I made, started making my rocking chair pads, the only reason I made a rocking chair pad was because someone had given me a rocking chair for my living room and I couldn't find a cool cushion for it to match my decor. And so I decided, well, I was just going to make um, cushions in like all these crazy funky colors so I did like a lightning bolt one and I did um, you know hot pink and like tons of like crazy colors and patterns and it was only after you know how confident did you feel that they would sell 
Well, I thought they were fantastic. I mean, I thought, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. Like, everyone's going to be buying rocking chairs and putting my, my crazy beautiful chair pads on them. And then I didn't realize, because I did, I did zero market research at mm -hmm. all. And, and what so, happened? Well, then when I realized who was buying, you know, who buys rocking chairs, it's people who are either elderly for their porch mm -hmm. <laughs> or people who are having babies. And, you know, nursing mothers, when they decorate their baby nurseries, it's usually very light pastel colors. You know, they, they want something neutral and fresh and baby colors, basically. And so, you know, very, I guess I, they were, I was lucky that there were enough people that, that were attracted to my original designs and then asked for something uh, more subtle. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I had no idea that, that people wouldn't buy my hot pink zebra <laughs> for their baby nursery. Like, I was like, I'd buy it. Like, why would anybody buy this? So, yeah. So, um, so that actually leads into something super important, right? Which is, um, as best as you can, understanding who you're selling to and a bunch of companies, they create what's called a buyer persona, which is like a generalization, one specific person who they're rep who they think are representing the the average person who's buying their product right and it just kind of helps you to align and say okay is this product gonna, is this product gonna work or is this kind of like deviating from what we should really be focusing on and that ends up showing itself in how it sells right how, how well um you end up selling the product so i guess that's something super important to focus on and that kind of pairs with a b testing and um and you, if, if you focus more on A-B testing, you get a better sense on um, who your customers are. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, also look up the competition. I think that's super important as well. Um, look up the competition and see what you can do to be uh, better and different. And, you know, lots of times it, it might just be, you know, a different color or maybe... Um, just like a, a, a little tweak on um, on design or something like that. But but you but there was a reason why you decided to come up with this product. So I would say trust your instincts. Like why did you decide to reinvent this pencil? Right. You know, what right. makes your pencil better than all the other pencils out there? And why did you want to create this pencil? And you know, really think about um, how you can place yourself competitively. Yeah. In the market. And it doesn't have to be you know, you're not reinventing the wheel um, and you don't necessarily have to cover a whole bunch of things. Um, I guess a huge thing is the importance of focusing on a, a niche and being the best at it and just doing what you do really well. And and then from there, if, if things are really booming, then you can slowly start to expand from there and release new lines and new colors in this situation. Um, but oftentimes the mistake that most people make is right off the bat, they're trying to do everything and they're trying to you know, do too much when you should, instead of going big and then um, going smaller from there, because then you're left with a bunch of unsold inventory, um, the best way is probably to um, start out small and then gradually scale it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you definitely don't want to um, lay out a lot of money. I mean, you know, people say, well, you need a lot of startup money to get things going, but I disagree. I think that money, mm. having a lot of money um, is pretty dangerous because in the beginning, you don't know what to spend it on. So you're kind of like, I mean, and I've made this mistake too. I mean, everybody says, oh, do Facebook marketing. Okay, you need to like just do Facebook marketing 
And honestly, in my own opinion, I think the only people making money doing Facebook marketing is Facebook and the Facebook managers who manage their <laughs> accounts. Because nobody, you know, the sales are so, um, uh, so far a few between. Um, all your money gets like kind of sucked up in the advert in the uh, ad spend. Sure. Um, so yeah, so it's it's definitely. I mean, look, you definitely need to try if you're if you're just coming into it brand new. You definitely need to try different things. Um, but I have found that if you have a budget, a limited budget, you can be much more careful about where that money goes, and you will try to conserve it and spend it conservatively. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're starting with greater capital. Right? you're at higher risk of blowing it all unnecessarily. And if you have a smaller budget, you're, you're just more careful about where that's money, where that money's going and maybe making smarter decisions um, off the bat. Yeah, you can be more strategic. Um, so definitely the things to spend money on, I would suggest if you're, if you're opening an online store is SEO. Um, make sure you, and you can find people on Upwork.com, which is a freelance um, agency. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there's tons of um, virtual assistants and people on there that you can hire very reasonably. So I would hire an SEO expert. Um, I would definitely, you know, make sure that your um, site is optimized for sales. So if you do decide to go with Shopify, Shopify has tons of resources, free um, seminars, and they have free um, Services such as somebody will come and do an audit of your website and tell you what you can improve, how you're ranking, how, how fast your page is loading, is it mobile, um, all that kind of stuff that you probably, all the technical stuff that you probably don't think about. Yeah, um, and a lot of this information to things like SEO and um, digital marketing, if you're not experiencing that and you're more on the product side, um, all, all of this information is available online for, for free um for free ways, whether it be a blog post or um, a YouTube channel or a specific podcast that's hitting on the right thing. So a lot of this is just about putting in the work to um, either putting in the work to uh, better um, work on the areas that you struggle with or you don't have any background in, or as you as you mentioned, um, hiring the right people who can take care of that for you. And on sites like Upwork, um, you, you can find people for relatively cheap, right? And, and you'll, you'll have a, a great payoff um, and you'll find them to be um, very worth it. And even for that, you can start small, give them a small task, see how, um, see what the payout is and then scale it up from there. So you don't necessarily need to go all in from the beginning on a person. You can just start small and, um, and, and scale right, up from there. Exactly. And what I'm discovering now that um, I'm kind of, you know, uh, a little ways in and having my stores is that, you know, I've really uh, discovered that it's much more worth my time doing research on things rather than implementation. So basically, like you said, like finding out how do I increase the traffic to my store. So I will read a bunch of blog posts or I will maybe sign up for a bunch of free seminars or whatever and do whatever I need to educate myself. That way, when I hire somebody, I can basically at least have some kind of idea if they know what they're talking about. And if what they're going to do for me is going to be the right thing or not, not necessarily that, you know, I don't have time to implement all the stuff that I've learned and I probably, you know, I'm not interested. That's probably half the battle I have, but at least if I'm educated on what I should be implementing, then I can really hire somebody who's going to do a good job. So I really, yeah, I really agree with you. Um, Educating yourself on is, is kind of like half the, um, half the work that you'll do as a store owner. 
um, you're doing product development, you'll hire the right people to help you promote and develop your site, and you'll do a lot of research to, to sort of stay on top of things and to always be improving. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, I think as we wrap up here, um, circling back to what we mentioned about um, differentiating yourself from different people, can you just speak to personally how you looked at the market and competitors, what other people were doing, and then found your niche where you were either doing something that nobody else was doing or you were doing something better than everyone else? Speak a little bit on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I responded to basically customer requests. So after when I was selling my rocking chair pads, um, people loved the design, the fabric I was choosing. They were like, wow, this is really crazy, beautiful fabric. Can I, can I do other, make other things? So I was getting a lot of requests for Ikea slip covers. So that's how I kind of went down that avenue. It wasn't that I did any kind of research on making custom covers per se, but people really wanted something different that wasn't being offered. Um, so that's how I discovered my niche. And then, you know, I, I really just, I think because I had set up my business to be custom on demand, I didn't have to spend a lot of money in producing. Um, so I was really able to just see, make something, throw it up online, see how people responded to it and, um, see why people were responding to it. Like, you know, why were people choosing my covers instead of going to Ikea and just buying the same thing they already had? Mm. And it was always about like a design thing. It was like they loved the, the, the bright colors. They loved the bright prints. They loved that, you know, nobody else had anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like as I, as I learned that that's why people were shopping from me, that's, that became my campaign. That became my, um, you know, my... Um, value proposition that was like okay do you want something different that ikea doesn't have do you want to have a new couch without getting a new couch um and and so, once you figure yeah, so once you much, figure that out like what you're offering um it might take you know a few weeks may take a few months um then that kind of changes the way that you set up your website like now you can announce this as um brighter designs more fun designs than everybody else or whatever it may be more um eco-friendly or um at a it's cheaper than everyone else and so you you want to make sure you're marketing and letting everybody know about what it is that you're doing better than everyone else once you figure it out right exactly and people will tell you you'll get the feedback you know you'll get reviews um people will request things so in a way you know you, you'll really be guided in that way you don't have to have all the answers right up front do you read like, all you the know, all the reviews that you get um on the etsy shop and um from your from your products i do i don't have um etsy shop anymore but definitely um when the reviews come in i i do read them because i've actually set it up to not publish every single review um just to have control because sometimes people leave reviews and it's not you know um that you know they're leaving reviews for shipping time sure, sure. Like, it's just I'm not relevant to other people yeah my site yeah it's totally irrelevant so so I have set it up to to really control things, um, to control not you know not edit or control the review per se, but to make sure that the reviews that are going up because the reviews also show up under my products. So if I have a shipping only review going up under one of my products, it doesn't make sense. So yeah, that's definitely something I listen to. And then also people, you know, it's just really about communication. So I guess as I mentioned before, um, text messaging is probably the best way to communicate with your customers right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, email, emailing, email marketing. Clavio mm-hmm. um, is an app in Shopify that's phenomenal. Um, and yeah, it's really just about communicate, setting expectations for people, I think, because people are disappointed when they expect something uh, different to what they receive. So that's something to keep in mind to make sure that you set people's expectations correctly mm-hmm. and you shouldn't have a problem. So under promise over over deliver? Uh under promise over deliver. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> okay. Maybe just promise and then promise. <laughs> keep promise and keep your promise. Yeah, just uh, fairly um hit everything that you say you'll do. All right, I think that is a great place to end it there. Um we went over a bunch of stuff hopefully for people who have just started e-commerce stores or been in for in it um for a while and just uh, are constantly looking for ways that they can improve some small tips here or there or for people who are <clears throat> considering um taking this on for the first time this was helpful we talked about a bunch of things from rendering digital images and the flexibility to get there to a b testing your products to differentiating yourself from the competitors and whether to create an online store or um or or have a physical location um thanks so much michelle for taking the time uh, you have a bunch of bunch of great knowledge to share and uh we'll see you next time